0: Welcome to this special edition of Literary Ashland. On November 18th, Friday Wine and Words featured six students from SOU's Honors College. This episode will feature the first three. Ryan Nycom is a sophomore of the Honors College, originally from Sacramento, California. She is an English major with a minor in History and a passion for photography. She'll read My Old Ways. Haley Eck is a senior English major with a concentration in English education and a psychology minor. She's a transfer student from Omaha, Nebraska. She will read Manipulation with Cake. And Cole Barnes is a sophomore in the Honors College hailing from Oakland, Oregon. He likes to play the guitar, listen to music, and study literature. He will read three of his poems.
1: Good evening. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Friday Words and Wine. I'm MJ Dasty and I am so happy to see so many people turn out on a blustery night in November <laughs> to listen to some student work from our very own college here in town, Southern Oregon University. I'm just thrilled that Ed Stella was able to pull this together for us, and it's, it's been something we have been looking forward to for a long, long time. So I'm going to turn it over to Ed. He's going to introduce the students and tell you something about the Honors College. With that Ed, thank you. Thank you.
2: So, Welcome everybody. My name is Ed Battistella. I'm an English teacher at SOU. Um, and I wanted to ask uh, Ken Mulliken to come up and just say a couple of words about the SOU Honors College and then I'll introduce the first three readers. They'll read and then I'll introduce the the second three readers and uh, we can Take a few questions at the end, and everybody can enjoy the uh, words and why. So, Ken, if you come on up and tell us about the Honors College. <laughs> in a few hours.
3: I'm actually not going to do what Dr. Battistella just said. <laughs> no, no one does. Oh, yes, no one uh, no no I won't <laughs> so uh, I will tell you a little story though
4: <laughs>
3: four years ago I moved here from Kansas City to a place that I really had only kind of vaguely known uh, in between my undergraduate and graduate studies when I had an internship with the state of Nevada and I visited here for the first time and I thought if there's ever a chance to live there in Ashland, this place I had never seen before, I'm going to do that. And so it took me about 15 years for the opportunity to do that, but they advertised for the launching of an honors college. And I had worked with honors students before, and they are the most wonderful people in the world, in my opinion. Don't let that get to your head, please. (laughs) And so as I look around the room, the the various students who some I've known for four years some for three two and one Uh, I have to tell you that it's been a huge pleasure to be able to read their work and to be able to see the growth of them as individuals and as students and as scholars and so uh, I'm very privileged to be able to work with them and I think this evening you're going to get a chance to see the best of the best at SOU. So I, uh, I, I won't introduce any of them per se because you're going to do that, but just as an overarching idea, these are just wonderful students and I hope you get a glimpse tonight of uh, their talent and their academic ability and the uh, the passion that they have for life that I get to see every day. So, um, so thank you, Honors College students for participating in this, and thank you for letting me introduce them.
2: So our first three readers, and just sort of stand up when I um, introduce you and you can uh, and then are Riley Nikom, Haley Eck, and Cole Barnes, right in the front. Um, Riley is a sophomore in the Honors College. Originally from Sacramento, California, she's an English major with a minor in history and a passion for photography.
5: Who's Riley? Hey, uh, that's uh, me. (laughs) uh,
2: And she's going to read My Old Ways. Uh, Haley Eck is a senior English major with a concentration in English education and and a psychology minor. She's a transfer student from Omaha, Nebraska, and she's going to read Manipulation with Cake. (laughs) <laughs> um, and Cole Barnes is a sophomore um, in the Honors College, hailing from Oakland, Oregon. He likes to play the guitar, listen to music, and study literature, and he's going to read some selected poems. So, I'll turn it over to Riley, and there we go. Sorry. Hello,
5: everyone. Oh, okay. we stool, okay. Um, So yeah, tonight I'm going to be reading a short story called My Old Ways. Um, I actually named it that because um, one night I was just, I don't know, feeling the need to write, and so I just wrote this short story and I just listened to a song called My Old Ways on a loop, Um, and so that's why I called it that, Um, but yeah, I hope you like it. I sit down at the counter, using my feet to balance on the chair under me. My hair is pulled back into a messy bun that I sincerely hope looks purposeful and not what it actually is, laziness. My hands trace nervously up and down my thighs. I feel like my skin is buzzing and I need some type of escape. My mind will not stop running and thinking and overthinking and I just can't do it anymore. As the music begins, I'm immediately entranced by the hypnotic strumming. I close my eyes and smile. You see, every time I listen to this one song, I'm transported. I can ignore the counter and my messy bun. They're no longer a part of me, no. In fact, they don't exist in this world, the world that makes me feel more complete and more alive than any other reality I have ever experienced. Visualize purple mountains, blue skies, sparkling water, and a window. This window is small, very, very small. It's not a complicated design. Four simple panes of glass with dark wood filling the spaces in between. The sharp angles and sides give me a strange sense of comfort and ease. They're dependable. While the window itself is, in comparison to the mountains, water, and sky, seemingly insignificant in scope, to me it represents something truly remarkable. In fact, I believe that it is deserving of far more notice than anything else around it. Why? Well, maybe it's the panes. Maybe it's the dark wood. Maybe it's just me. I can't quite explain it. The window just captivates me. I don't know how, but it almost feels safe. I can sit behind it and let it protect me when I don't want to protect myself anymore. I don't have to be nervous or crazed, I can just observe. I suppose I'll let you decide whether or not this window actually exists. But can't you see it? When I look through the clean panes, I see many wonderful scenes of happy people, sad people, angry people, people who are teeming with life. I won't bore you with the specifics though, they don't really matter. All you need to know about these scenes is that they never happened. Oftentimes I find myself so engrossed by the window that I barely even register the scenes within it. The lines of the glass, the shine, the pure beauty of the sheer panels, they all fascinate me. But of course this window is only for looking, only for viewing. I wouldn't dare touch it, no. It's something sacred, gorgeous in its own right. A thing so exquisite must be examined without touching or feeling, it must be preserved. It almost reminds me of a corpse, lacking in consciousness, yes, but mesmerizing to observe, inanimate yet alive in a disjointed way. I can't quite put my finger on it. In my world, I sit and stare at this window for hours and hours on end. I sit and stare until my legs go numb and my eyes water. There are points when I wish for some way to know the window or what it represents, but I move on and realize that it feels much more comfortable to watch the window instead of trying to understand it. So I sit and stare, that's the routine anyways, sitting and staring and sitting and staring and more and more scenes flash by. More and more hours of my time are spent looking at a window and nothing else. I begin to notice that the scenes are moving steadily faster. In fact, they're moving so quickly that I no longer recognize the people in them. They become indistinct shapes and eventually colorful blurs devoid of any true human connotation. This, for some unexplainable (coughs) reason, fills me with immense sadness. I am shocked by this feeling and I realize that I haven't felt much of anything in these hours of sitting, nothing much at all. Looking to my left and right, I see that the sparkling water has disappeared right along with the purple mountains. Instead of blue skies, all I see is darkness, not nothingness, but darkness. Instantly, I panic. How could this have escaped my notice? Where did it all go? I tell myself that it shouldn't matter. I still have my window and that's all that should matter. At least that's what I tell myself. As my head turns to face forward, I realize that the scenes have also disappeared from behind the glass. Now there's only darkness and a window. How could I have let these precious things slip away from me? The loss fills my heart and now, now I understand. Windows can't replace the beauty they frame. That poor window was only a tool which I had mislabeled as an act of divine inspiration. And tools, well tools are only as useful as the hands that control them. As the music stops, my eyes flicker open and my smile vanishes. My now sweaty palms reach up to touch my bun as my toes curl against the cool wood of the chair. I calmly clear my throat and smooth my shirt. I stare ahead in silence until I finally reach over to hit play and wait for that one song to transport me away.
1: paper was a paper that I wrote for a psychology class actually instead of an English class it was for social psychology which if you know anything about it is entirely about how to manipulate people (laughs) I'm not even kidding Um, and so like the point of the uh, final project was that we had to manipulate our teacher into giving us an A and then write a paper about it using psychology terms from the class so this is the paper that I wrote for her. Dr. Reeder As a Catholic Midwesterner, please bear in mind that talking about myself, let alone bragging about how I manipulated people for my own benefit, feels far more like a confession than a point of pride for me. I'm also a person who tries to be funny when feeling uncomfortable. Accordingly, please forgive any internal struggles you detect oozing through the seams of this paper. Am I already self-handicapping in an attempt to garner sympathy? Am I using humor, which I think you'd appreciate, to pave a peripheral route to convince you of giving me a higher grade? I don't even know what to trust in myself anymore. Anyway, I made you a cake for this project. I think it was a good cake and a good answer to your assignment. The following should justify this claim. The obvious surface-level manipulation was my bribe-like offering of a cake. I tried to be as polite as possible regarding this gift. I asked you what type of desserts you like. I asked if you would like this particular type of cake. And I asked when it would be most convenient for you to receive it. When it turned out that you were sick the day that I planned on bringing you the cake, I offered to deliver it to, this, to you or to the school so that you could still enjoy it fresh, which might have inclined you to want to pay me back with more points on this assignment. Furthermore, I know that I've made Black Forest Cherry Cake in the past. It has earned good reviews from my peers and is aesthetically pleasing. Assuming this particular cake was par for that, of course, the factors course, these factors may contribute to a sense of guilt and cognitive dissonance if my favor went unreturned. If there were any doubts about how I may wish to have that favor returned, the message, Haley-eck A+, in whipped cream atop the cake, <laughs> should have alleviated any uncertainty. The cake itself has nothing to do with social psychology, however, so you may still be asking yourself, okay, she has the peripheral route down. But what about the central route of the elaboration likelihood model? Well, fair enough. I manipulated my friends into buying almost all of the ingredients. (laughs)
5: To be clear,
1: I already had baking powder, baking soda, salt, eggs, milk, and oil. I bought my own cherries as well as the vanilla and almond extract, though I did convince my friend, Mariah, using normative and social influence uh, to make a special stop at the store for me to get cherries. The same friend is a low self-monitor and prefers to avoid conflict, (laughs) particularly if she feels the effort required of her is minimal. She is also highly empathetic, and passing up the chance to do a favor for a friend would leave her with a great deal of unresolved cognitive dissonance. This is why it was so easy to have my foot in the door and persuade her to buy me cocoa powder later that week. My roommate's contributions are likely the crown jewel of my project, She reimbursed me for the flour and sugar, as it was her turn to buy them. But her real work lay in how she obtained the cream. See, my roommate is a barista at a well-known coffee chain, which we'll leave it anonymous, and we'll call it Starbucks. (laughs) So my roommate works at Starbucks, uh, though not anymore. uh, It's technically able to glean entire 24-ounce cups of heavy-duty whipping cream as one of her free drinks that she is allowed during her shifts. not technically against company policy, it is not quite kosher insofar as following the spirit of the law. (laughs) Still, my roommate retrieved cream from her workplace for me just because she wanted to prove that she is a good roommate and friend. (laughs) Thanks to my foot-in-the-door technique and my roommate's desire to remain consistent, she bought me cream not once, but twice. I screwed up making it the first time. <laughs> I actually ruined the whipped cream a second time for the same reason, but she was too invested at that point. She had put so much effort into helping me that to justify it, she actually drove me to Walmart at Medford at 11:30 p.m. the night before I said I would deliver the cake just so that I could buy more cream. And then my professor turned out to be sick. Um, this time, I emitted the powdered sugar, assembled the cake successfully, and was able to deliver the cake to the Ed site building the next morning. My roommate's principled, consistent nature was incredibly useful for my manip- manipulative purpose in this project. To recap, I coerced two of my best friends into buying and embezzling food that I then spent hours baking into a cake, which I later gave to you with the clear intent to request an A on this project. Am I proud of what I did? I have no idea. My moral compass crumbled away with each passing tactic I (laughs) used. While my main approaches like effort justification and reciprocation theory fell under the peripheral route, I applied central route methods as well as being upfront with my friends about why I needed to ask them for these favors, uh, and they willingly complied. I would also argue that this very paper, which explores the ways in which I use social psychology, follows the central route of information. Therefore, through my application of all of these strategies, I feel that I've satisfied this project's requirements and hope to earn full points. <laughs> oh, did I get full points? Did you get, did you get an A? I, I missed one point, so oh, i putting it. No. I just put it in yet. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Nice to be here. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to read a series of three poems, and they vaguely have to do with the theme of nature, which I enjoy. Um, This one's about a vision I had, um, wondering where you can go with someone in your life and uh, what peace feels like. It's called Sunset Dream. Stumble down the dune to the golden sandy beach. Darkness on the ground marks the edge, the frigid water within reach. Chase the waves fast so they cannot catch us. The sands between our toes remain, regardless of the wind's gusts. Grins fixed upon eyes, eyes fixed upon faces, the sun fixed upon the world, gleaming on its endless graces. We rest along the driftwood, holding each other's hands, our heels dig into the soft supporting sands. A pale sky transforms into night, in the distance two guitars sound, in tune and in rhythm, to the water crashing down. The moon replaces the sun, the dark sky scattered with stars. I can almost feel their twinkling, for they don't feel very far. Um, when I wrote this next one, I was uncertain about my future, as most college students are at one point or another. Um, I wanted to know where I stood in the mix of everyday life. Um, I was in a public place daydreaming when I thought of this idea. Mm -hmm. This one's called Lucid. Say again. Lucid? Mm. Um, Never have I felt as safe walking in the moonlight by myself in the bitter wind of an evening so cold. Yesterdays pass in the rising smoke, and tomorrows lie in nondescript hazes. In the forest my memories lie somewhere in between out of place and misunderstood, a product of obedient devotion. On these paths I was told to walk, I stand confused where the road breaks. I look ahead, even as the world rushes by in its dulled brightness, for some day the lights will break down and lose hope. For once I do not look back into the forests of my past, because I know there are dangers always there for me to return to. Or maybe it is I, Comfortable in my naivete. Hoping the trees I walk past now will never lie across this path that I'm walking. My final poem for the night. Um, It's a stream of consciousness piece um, I had on a stormy night. Um, It's kind of a snapshot into the wandering soul. Um, It's called Forest Night. The mountains are illuminated, a soothing maroon from the backdrop of a cloudy night, full of rain and thunder. A flash let the forest know that no ground is sacred or protected from its pulsing touch. Rain flows here and rain flows there, like rain always has, running through what once was still trickling water divides. A path so well beaten, now diverted and confused from its previous form. Forest animals try to find shelter wherever they can find absence, from rain and other downpour. Their hatred suspended for one another, like that of lions and gazelles drinking from the same watering hole. You try to fit under a canopy, or search for a vacant cave. And while you lay down, waiting for the storm to pass, you listen through the crackling fire and hear the forest hold its breath. Okay, thank you, everybody.
0: And this is the end of the first installment of this special Friday Wine and Words. Please tune in again on December 23rd at 1 p.m. to hear the final installment of this special edition. You've been listening to Literary Ashland and KSKQ 89.5 FM in Ashland, Oregon.